0: This is the Color Booby Show. Show. Kowabui is an author, international speaker, and entrepreneur. He started his first business selling music CDs in high school at the age of 16. He then went on and built several businesses. He is the founder of River Design, a marketing company that helps businesses get more exposure online and offline. He has appeared on TV, radio, newspaper, and magazines from around the world. He has written and published several books and created various products. Kowabui is also an international speaker, corporate trainer, and speaker. On topics of business, entrepreneurship, motivation, health, marketing, online business. You could check out his blog site at www.coa buoy.com. And now, your host, Mr.
1: Coa
0: Buoy. Hey, doing? it's quite here. And in this podcast, I would like to introduce you to Lisa Tay. Uh, she is based in Melbourne, and she is all about being creative. And she is also within the uh, within the fashion industry. So this is the first time I'm actually interviewing someone in the fashion industry. I have no idea uh, anything about fashion, so I'll just jumped in and just ha- ask a whole bunch of questions and the thing is, uh, Lisa is, um, I did the interview this morning and she's a really inspiring and heartwarming person. Um, you can just hear in her voice that she's so passionate in what she's doing and I know that for a fact that if you were to listen to this, you can feel the, um, you know, the, the drive and the energy and um, the motivation to go out there and start your own business. So uh, in this particular episode, I think it's, it's a really good one to listen to if you think about starting your own business. And if you're interested in um, entering the fashion industry, perhaps, and um, you know if you have some sort of calling or some sort of creative idea that you want to express with the world, this interview will be really great for you to, uh, to check out. Uh, quick introduction is that Lisa Tay, she's the Editor-in-Chief of Couturing.com. Uh, it's one of Australia's top fashion, beauty, and lifestyle resources. Uh, she's also worked on a lot of campaigns and brands such as uh, David Jones, Maya, Mecca, Cosmetica and on and on and on. Uh, she's also appeared on Australian Fashion Week reality web series, The Fro, and um, she's worked with a lot of amazing people as well. So uh, in this podcast, uh, we delve into, you know, a lot of background on how uh, Lisa Tate built her business. And we also cover like the mindset, the daily routines, um, the podcast that she's got. She's also interviewed uh, Gary Vee as well. So um this podcast is really chock-a-block it's it's packed with lots of insightful ideas from lisa tay and uh, i know that you're really going to enjoy it so without further ado let's go have a look at lisa tay thanks
1: hello oh (laughs) (laughs) i'm just working out at my video oh my god i'm so sorry i'm having this problem with my video and i thought i fixed it but oh Oh, yes it worked
0: awesome can you see yourself you're good
1: i'm like a tech guru.
0: you're gonna post you it up. yeah good how are you going
1: I'm good thank you so much as well yeah. for making the time to chat and reaching out
0: no worries yeah I saw what you're doing um I saw that you know uh I think you interviewed Gary Vee and I saw like you've been posting stuff on Instagram as well and uh yeah articles that you've appeared in as well so yeah so I've got to get this person so
1: yeah. oh thank you that means a lot yeah, yeah I look I'm lucky to love what I do so I appreciate when I get to connect with people like yourself and you've obviously got an amazing bank of content. You've interviewed some incredible people, so I feel very fortunate to be able to be on your podcast. Well, thank you very
0: much for your time. I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, it's you know it's a great honour to have you on the show as well. So I was looking at um, what you've been doing. You've been doing amazing things. You're in the fashion industry. This is my first time of interviewing someone in the fashion industry, so uh, I don't really know too much about it. So I'm I'm going to learn quite a lot today. Um, oh, I'm
1: excited! I'm excited <laughs> to talk about it.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can see that you're passionate about. It, so, um, but it never was the case, wasn't it? I think you started off working as in accounting and, and tax, right? And then somehow, yes. yeah, yeah. Could you just unfortunately, uh, unfortunately, <laughs> okay. So how 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 that all happened? Like you went from tax to to what you're doing now. So could you walk us through what happened?
1: Absolutely. So, to be honest, I actually always loved fashion. I've been fascinated by the creative industry from, you know, as long as, you know, I can remember. And I always wanted to be a fashion designer. And I came from like a quite conservative Asian background. So, my parents didn't really think that that would be a safe career. Yeah. So, they said, you know, look, maybe you can look at that later on down the track, but why don't you do, you know, quite a safe degree and then look at getting a job you know in an industry where you know there's plenty of jobs so i thought okay like i'll give it a go so i ended up doing con law and i specialized in finance which Mm. still to this day actually really surprises me because i am terrible at maths (laughs) i'm really bad at it so i have no idea how i even passed my degree
0: yeah
1: let alone ended up in tax uh so that's a whole other i don't know need to investigate how that happened yeah so I ended up working, my first job out of uni was at KPMG, Mm. and it was one of the big accounting firms, and I really have no idea how I even survived. I think I was in tax for seven years, so Mm. after KPMG, I went to a law firm, uh, and then I went to the tax office, so I really, throughout my whole tax career, really never felt passionate about it, and I feel like taxes... pretty stagnant industry to be honest like there's not that much change happening it's not really dynamic the pace of the industry is quite slow so you can be working on the same projects for two or three years and i just didn't feel challenged and i didn't feel that energy you know getting up in the morning and wanting to run to my desk and do work and i just thought god like i could just spend the rest of my life doing this or i could try and see what else is out there so while I was at the tax office, I actually ended up taking three days off a week unpaid to do an internship at a marketing company. Okay. And that, and like, I was literally doing things like getting coffees, filling out spreadsheets, and, you know, doing pretty much like the really boring <laughs> admin crap. <laughs> yeah. And I just thought, is this really like what it's like? But from no, that we, experience, sorry,
0: I actually I got, got, got to meet
1: amazing people.
0: Yeah, how old, how old were you at the time when when you started this?
1: That's a really good question. Probably like my mid twenties, I would okay. say. Yeah, okay. mid to late like twenties. So, I really just wanted to see what the industry was like. And although the tasks that I, you know, I was doing wasn't particularly interesting, I met some amazing people. And from there, I thought, ah. Uh, I might start my own blog so I can talk to these people and, and get to know them and find out more about the industry. So mm. I just started a blog. And then, as part of that process, I met my business partner, Tom, who also had his own blog. And we shared similar frustrations about the industry. And we, we thought, why don't we combine our efforts and create Couturing, which is a fashion, beauty, and lifestyle website? And that was probably about eight years ago. And we just sort of started working our way through the digital landscape quite early on before blogging was really massive in Australia. So mm. we started growing our own platforms, creating content, meeting amazing people. And then from there, that allowed me to actually make a transition into the marketing team of witchery. So mm. I had zero experience, <laughs> Obviously in it. marketing, <laughs> but I remember, so when I was looking for a job, Leave tax. I literally would go on seek every single day. Mm. The only filter that I would put on would be Melbourne. And I would sift through every single job and just see if there was something that interests me or a company that would interest me. And I saw a job for Witchery pop up and it was for a CRM manager, which is actually for uh, someone to manage their loyalty database. And at the time I had no idea what that job (laughs) even was. As
0: long as it pays me, that's fine. Yeah
1: exactly and I just saw a company that I knew the name of I'm like oh I like witchery I like fashion so I thought I'm just gonna give myself a go at applying and so I spent days creating this crazy application letter I photoshopped (laughs) stuff in there I addressed every single point that was listed in the job description I made it like visually beautiful and It's gonna sound so lame. On the very last page, I took my Twitter a screenshot of my Twitter and I uh, photoshopped in "Thank you for taking the time to uh, for interviewing me for the hashtag best job ever." It was something really freaking lame. Anyway, my uh well the person who's interviewing for the role she actually I got an interview and I was like mm. I don't know how the hell I've got an interview for this and she actually said to me in the interview she goes I did not know what to make of your application so I just had to bring you in because it was just so oh. random
0: hashtag what was the hashtag or was this the hashtag thanks or something or
1: <laughs> I, oh, I think a said, lot of people are going to use it I was like- yeah well actually photoshopped in this tweet that said uh thank you for taking the time to oh, oh maybe like read my application for hashtag best job ever or something
0: yeah yeah yeah. okay
1: it was really because i was very aware Mm -hmm. yeah well i was very aware that i didn't have the right skills at all like whatsoever so i thought if i'm going to even get in front of her because i knew i was passionate about fashion and Mm -hmm. i knew i was passionate about the industry and you know to some degree marketing and creating content so i thought if i can just get in front of her then she's going to see how passionate i am but then so that was the first step to actually get me in the door. Then when I got an interview, I thought it's going to be really difficult for me to even get considered for this role because I have no experience in CRM whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And I've got okay. obviously soft skills like reporting and I've got you know things like you know uh, presentation skills. So I've got a lot of soft skills because I've worked in corporate for a while, but I mm-hmm. wouldn't have the skills that she would be looking for so I said so I thought to myself if I'm going to stand out in this interview I need to go in there and do something different so I actually looked more at CRM I did some research on the industry and I said okay this is talking about how to engage your loyalty database so that I know because I love shopping so (laughs) I know all about the tricks exactly exactly so I know all about the tricks that work so you know I I thought okay I can go in there and just say look I have no idea what I'm talking about because I don't know the industry or you know the CRM landscape, or I can go in there and say you know rather than talk about my past, I want to go in there and actually show you what I would do if I took on this role. Mm. Which is, I think a very different approach to interviews, uh, but it really came and was born from the fact that I had no experience in the role. Yeah, yeah. So I actually mocked up a magazine, okay. and I said. To her, so i walked in i you know sort of tried to set the tone for the interview as well early on because usually they would want to control the interview and say this is kind of the process mm-hmm. but i sort of took like i went on the front foot and i and i really said hey this is you know rather than just talk all about my past history i really wanted to come in here and and say this is what i would do if you gave me a chance in this position yeah. so i would create a magazine and say that you know you've got images of customers in the clothes, you'd have the latest trends, you'd do all this sort of stuff. And this was like quite a few years ago when I think pretty much the only brand at the time that was doing a publication was uh, net porter and they've okay. got their own digital magazine. So it was quite uh, different at the time. Mm. And I think she really responded well to the fact that I'd already thought about what I would do and what and the sort of changes that I'd put in place mm. rather than just coming in and talking about my past uh you know my past history because at the end yeah. of the day if you, yeah so if you can actually go in there and say look I would think about making these changes based on what I can see in the landscape I'm thinking about this I've seen that this has worked overseas this could really work here that it kind of sets you apart from everyone else coming in yeah. just talking about their past history. So I somehow got that job, which is like, wow. to this day, I'm like, that's a miracle. But, but I have this weird belief that I can do anything that I want to do. And I'm not afraid to fail. And I think that's really what uh, drives me because I see every opportunity as a chance to learn and grow and meet new people. So I managed to get that job. And mm. I was there for about a year, and at the time, my business partner for Cody Agency, which is my digital marketing business, um, Tom, he was at the in the marketing team at Cotton On, and we'd always sort of spoken about doing our own thing. Uh, so we thought, okay, well, why don't we just take a chance and give it a go? So we decided to try and do coutureing full time. So mm. we both uh, left our jobs and decided to just give it a go. And we really said to ourselves, there is no plan B, this has got to work. Mm. And I think when you don't give yourself an option and you're not sort of doing it part-time outside of hours, you can dedicate your nine to five and all the other hours to making something successful. And more often than not, like it generally will work if you're passionate, you're driven and you're willing to make sacrifices. And look, we made no money for ages. Um, You know, we saved up, Mm. we were like sitting in my kitchen just working away calling like we would literally just go through the yellow pages and just pick out you know names of companies that we knew and we'll just call up and try and find the marketing department so we would just go on LinkedIn and just literally google like marketing manager Coles and then mm. just try and call the switchboard called, and be like yeah. yeah hi can I speak yeah, to yeah. Sally Ann and they'd go does she know what it's about I'm like absolutely <laughs> oh. never obviously like never heard of me so yeah it's almost like that fake it till you make it kind of mentality but from couturing we had brands start to ask us to create content for their channels not to house on our own channels and we thought yeah i guess we could probably do that and it was funny because from there a digital marketing agency was born and a lot of the the jobs that we do for our clients now weren't even jobs when we were first starting out like social Mm. media management you know, things like that influencer campaigns like that wasn't even a thing mm. back then. And I do really feel like, and I don't know whether this is because of just laziness or <laughs> what, but I, we never, I think in all the businesses that I've started, I've never really spent that long writing a business plan. Mm. You know, I think a lot of people spend ages putting together yeah page documents, forecasting everything, trying to map out a contingency plan for every possible scenario. And I just have never done that. And Mm -hmm. I'm not sure why. And I was actually reading uh, Mark Randolph, who's the co-founder of Netflix. I was reading his book I'm reading it at the moment. And he had this really great quote. And it was something like, a business plan never survives a collision with a real customer. And he was saying that yeah and he was saying that people do you know business plans all the time but Mm. then when you actually put it into practice it's pretty much redundant you know Mm, and it's it's almost like not relevant anymore because you have no idea what how customers going to react how the market's going to react what your competitors are going to do so it's almost like you just exactly just Mm. do it just Mm. launch it and then test it out and then then pivot and respond and change based on that. But if you have such a rigid business plan, mm. you're just never going to be able to cover every contingency. And I honestly feel like a lot of the time people are in the pursuit of doing the perfect business plan and it actually stops them from even launching in the first place because mm. they almost talk themselves out of Uh, you know, launching something because they go, Oh, I can see a problem here. There's a potential problem here. There's a potential, problem. like every business has potential problems. You know, a lot of them won't even arise, but the thing is, even if one does, then you just deal with it. So Mm. I do feel like there, there is something to be said for just not overanalyzing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think um, what you said is, is amazing there because it seems that a lot of people who, um, you know, when they start businesses, when they, um have a startup you know obviously you know they create this business plan and they try and come up with all these these plan Bs, c's and everything right but do you seem to just execute you have an idea and execute right but did you have any type of plan in terms of monetization of um a credit agency or was it just go out there make calls and then just try and try and monetize <laughs> is that it and then just eventually just approve that's how that was the plan yeah
1: pretty much like we oh, had cool. no idea what we <laughs> <So we laughs> Love still have it, yeah. no idea uh <laughs> and yeah look that's a good question like I think you always have to have a goal of making money like it's you know uh, unless it's like a passion project which for example yeah. my podcast is a passion project so it just gives yeah, me the chance yeah. to have conversations with amazing people but you know when it comes to creating a business I think you have to have some concept of how you believe it's going to generate money but also just be open to the fact that that could change and that could pivot so whether it's your service offering that changes or uh, you know how you decide to monetize it so whether instead you create a software and then you monetize it that way mm. you know based on the needs that you see in the digital market then I, I really do feel like have a goal in mind yeah. because otherwise, you know, you can't survive and you can't grow a company if it's not making money. But I think be open to what that original, uh, what that original intention of making money or that original uh, process you think you're going to make money with, just be open to that changing mm. and be adaptive and responsive. Cause if you're too rigid, then you're just going to miss out on opportunities.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Great. So what you have said is that uh, truly inspiring. I know a lot of people who just heard what you said, Know, they're going to run out there and, and you know try and start a business and everything, uh, but you said that you uh, just recently that um, you went through a period of time that we just had no money and it was it was tough, right? So, what was the the mindset behind handling all that frustration and challenges? How did you get overcome that? Because a lot of people just, no, nah, I can't do this. I'm going back. You know, I'm going back to tax. <laughs> so, how did yeah. you overcome all that stuff?
1: Yeah, it's actually funny, and I say this to a few people. I say that. You know, because a lot of people I've met along my on my journey have said mm. that they're in corporate jobs. Or they've told me that they're in corporate jobs and they hate their job and they want to, they've got a side hustle. They want to start a side hustle. And I always say to them, you know, worst case scenario, you can go back to being an accountant or you can go back to being a lawyer or you can go back to doing whatever you're doing. And they go, yeah. So I said, well, currently you're living your worst case scenario. So what are you doing? <laughs> I love like, it. That's awesome. Get out of there. Stop it! Get out! <laughs> uh, give it a go, because like honestly, what's the worst that can happen? You know, like as long as you're not living on the street, like sure. Like I had no money to spend, and I love shopping, and that sucked. <laughs> Damn it! But, yeah, I know it was it was a really tough couple of <laughs> tough couple of months in my wardrobe. <laughs> tough couple of years. Damn it! But yeah, but the the funny thing is, people go, "Was it? It must have been really hard to leave your secure job mm. and start your own thing." And for me. The harder thing was actually dragging myself out of bed every morning, dragging myself to the office, and then spending the day looking at the time, waiting for five o'clock to kick in so I could go mm, home. Mm. So what is actually, what was actually easier for me was getting up every morning, knowing that I'm going to be doing something that I found exciting, that there was so much potential, uh, every a little bit of energy that I was putting in, I was going to get back because it was my own business. So Mm. that for me was actually the easier of the two decisions. So I think I was lucky in that sense that Mm. I really, I really value happiness. And that's probably the biggest thing that drives me, you know, and if you're happy, I think you can, Overcome a lot of things, and you don't necessarily need to be taking home 100k a year or whatever your salary is. Mm. Like, I was taking home nothing for years, like wow, nothing. Incredible. And then we finally, yeah, then we finally got on this tiny little salary. I was like, yeah, this is exciting! <laughs> 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 well, yeah, exactly. But I was so happy, like, I'm the happiest I've ever been in my professional career and that would have never happened without those hard times but I think it makes you appreciate it more when you're doing amazing things something that you're passionate about with people that you love like how can that not be like living the dream you know yeah
0: yeah um I've interviewed like a lot of successful people and they all say the same thing is I mean they've been doing these type of things for about 25 years right and they say that passion is everything because with passion like you're going to stick to it for 10 20 years and that and you're going to figure things out But if you're just in it for the money, then you're just going to, if you come across some sort of mental challenge, then you're just going to give up and chase after something else. So would you say that passion is the main driver behind your business and everything? Yeah.
1: A hundred percent. Like that counts for so much more than anything else. Because let me tell you, it's freaking hard, like Mm, (laughs) running your own business there's, I just don't feel like there's ever a point where it's easy, you know. If you're starting out with one employee versus if you've got a hundred or you've got a thousand, like there's always going to be challenges every step of the way. And yeah. if you're not passionate about what you do, there is no way you're going to be able to get through those tough times, you know, and the challenging times. Uh, and there's actually probably no way you're even going to be able to put in the type of hours that you need to make your business not only successful at the start but ongoing like on an ongoing basis successful
0: yeah yeah definitely okay um all right so then um there was also another uh, lifestyle brand that you built which was i think it was one-on-one lifestyle as well could you uh, uh, elaborate a bit about that i think that was prior to cody agency right um, yes yeah yeah what was that what was the deal there
1: yeah uh, so that was actually kind of similar timing but that just comes from that belief that i can do anything so mm. And I don't know where that's come from, but I feel lucky to have that because yeah. when I want Lifestyle is actually a, an oral hygiene brand, well, it's going to be expanding into other products. So we've got a deodorant in the works, but it actually stemmed from something that I realized when I was taking photos for Instagram. So every time I would take photos in my bathroom, I would have to hide away the toothpaste and the toothbrush and the mouthwash because if you think about it, it's all really bright, ugly stuff. Yeah. So I don't know why, like why is everything fluoro? It's really disgusting. <laughs> yeah. And so my house is black and white. So I'm like, this isn't fitting in with the branding of my house. So <laughs> it sounds so stupid, but I'm looking at it twice a day. using it. I'm like, this is bad. Like this looks so ugly. So I thought, why not just create, you know, a brand and a product as you do. So with, literally no no experience my husband Saul and i decided to just give it a crack and we made so many mistakes like (laughs) along the way it took us about three years to get a product on shelf which is really slow uh but you know along the way i've met some amazing people who've given me so much insight into the industry and i do feel like as a business owner you need to surround yourself with other business owners because Mm. they're going to really understand the challenges. They'll understand the little wins and they'll appreciate the little wins because I would say that the average person who doesn't run a business, like won't necessarily comprehend the challenges and the struggles and how Mm. difficult it is Mm. because it's really hard. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. It's very rewarding, but it is difficult. So I've on my journey, I've actually met a lot of amazing business people and I do find that those are the people that I've built great relationships with because I can talk to them on a daily basis and flick them a message and say, hey, how's this and how? what, what did you do when you came across this issue? Mm. And those people will, like, they're worth their weight in gold. If you can find a good, or if you can create a good network around you with amazing people who can understand the challenges that you're going through and give you great advice, then... Mm. I have no doubt. Like you, have a greater chance of succeeding running your own business. Mm. So we somehow got into Mecca, which is bloody incredible, and I still can't believe that. To be honest, like it yeah. still seems like a dream. Yeah, you
0: got some great brands, yeah, on on your name as well, David Jones, Maya, Mecca. Yeah, it's it's incredible. Like, it's, it's yeah.
1: Great, yeah, yeah. So Yeah. So for for that for our one on one lifestyle product, we are exclusively in. Mecca and for me that was crazy you know and I think a lot of people want to know what beauty brands look for when they're buying products and you know I know that in this day and age of Instagram and things like that appearance is so important so I think that but that's only one aspect of a brand like it has to look good because at the end of the day you're going to be trying to be on the shelf and stand out against not only brands that look cool but brands that people know so why would they reach for your brand versus another brand? So we found that there was a gap in the market for a beautiful, a beautifully designed like oral hygiene range that would stand mm. out because there wasn't really that much competition in the space. And to be honest, there still isn't really that much competition because, you know, let's face it, toothpaste and toothbrushes aren't really sexy. Like, <laughs> It's not like people are clamoring to, you know, make sexy toothpaste and, and sexy mouthwash. <laughs> But, you know, everyone's really in that skincare space and the makeup space. So in a way, like, although there are some giant, giant brands in our industry or, you know, like you've got Colgate, McLean's, you've got big brands, like they're not doing, like their brand isn't what we're doing. Mm. So we do, we did feel like there was a gap in the market and an opportunity for us to create something. Mm. And... To be honest, like that was just really a passion project for me and it taught me so much about the industry, creating products. And so when I work with beauty brands for Cody, I can give them so much advice now. So Mm -hmm. I know what brands are looking for if they're going to buy things. I know what, um, you know, what marketing plan you should put in place if you're looking to approach a retailer. So for me, it's actually just taught me a lot so I can help our clients. And that's really where I feel like we're really different as an agency. Like we don't just do the work that we've been engaged to like we love strategy and we think mm. outside the square with sort of thinking not just in the immediate future but where do you actually want to take your brand like how are we going to help you get there and we always give our clients like strategy advice like you know we don't charge them for it because at the end of the day if they're successful then we're successful so mm. I think it's like like I owe it to our clients to go above and beyond to help them and that's like a real part of our culture at Cody Mm. Uh, we really always go above and beyond for our clients. And I feel like, you know, a lot of agencies don't really do that. They just literally do what they're asked to do and that's it.
0: And that's it. Yeah. You've got that creative um, flair behind you as well. And um, yeah, I just love it how you said just then that um, you wanted to create a brand. You had no experience how to do it, but you just went into it. It's like, it reminds me of what, I think Elon Musk did the same thing. He's not an aerospace engineer, but now he's launching rockets into space and stuff. It's just crazy. You know, and like you A hundred
1: percent. And the thing is like, I don't have to know how to do it. I just have to know how to get that knowledge from someone else or find those people mm. who will know how to do it. And then, mm. so we've got a formulator on board. So we work with them to brief, you know, uh, give them a brief on the sort of formulas we wanted. We wanted a brand that was natural after we started realising there were so many chemicals. So, like, I did my own research, absolutely, but at the same time, you don't need to be an expert in anything. Like, I can guarantee that Elon Musk isn't building those rockets, you know? Yeah, yeah. But he's found the people who can and partnered up with them. So, And I look at our team, for example, and and they are freaking incredible at what they do. Mm. There's no way I could do half the things that they do, uh, Mm. but I don't need to because that's their skills and that's what they're amazing at. So I do believe if you just find people who have the right skills and passion, Mm. like honestly, it's like if that, if you find people who are passionate, show initiative, are hungry to learn, then you Mm. can kind of teach everything else. But if you have that kind of energy, then I feel like you'll be successful.
0: That's awesome. Okay. So, um, have a look at, um, also in regards to co-touring, um, how did you like bro did you just write like one or two articles per week and, and and add the typical pictures and videos like how did you grow up what was your what was your content strategy behind that one there
1: yeah that's a good question so we have an amazing team of people so we actually got a whole lot of people on board to help us create content because in the digital space if you think about it well just for human nature people are looking for content not only once a day but yeah. multiple times a day. So think mm. about how much you're picking up your phone and you're, you know, looking at the news or looking at your newsfeed on social. Like people are hungry for content. Yeah. So we thought, at a minimum, we need to be having at least one fashion, one beauty, one lifestyle article going out a day. So mm, we're quite aggressive with growing. Yeah, we've yeah. grown because people want that. Like think about how often they go onto a news website. So mm. you know, and you've got news websites out there who are chain- who are uploading content all the time. Like you know, every couple of hours there'll be something new because we're so hungry for content. So that's like, we have an amazing team and like that's really how we were able to grow so quickly at the start because a Mm. lot of people were personal style bloggers at the time when we were starting out and they just didn't have the resources to actually produce that much content you know and a lot mm. of the time they were taking photos of the outfits and that's the sort of content that they were producing but that didn't really interest Tom and myself we really wanted to do our own photo shoots and tell the stories of the people behind the industry so mm. we really wanted to do interviews with amazing people and find out how they got to where they are and that was something that I was really passionate about so yeah. actually it's so funny because when we first started that site we had no idea where it would even take us we just thought let's just do it and see what happens and And from that, we actually got to write two books. So we wrote a book on Australian style and Australian Mm. beauty. So Mm. they got published in 2017 and I think 2018. And then we got to go to a tech conference in China. We got to interview people all around the world, interview celebrities, meet incredible people, shoot with incredible people. So it's so funny. Like when you start something, sometimes you have no idea where it's going to take you. Mm. But like if you don't start something, like you just won't even put yourself in a position to have those incredible opportunities and meet those incredible people or, you know, do incredible things. So I think a lot of the time just start something and then just be open to where it could take you because I pretty much look back at starting. I always think about the moment where I started my first blog in my room and that for me was such a huge turning point. And I always think back going, I had absolutely no idea. Like if someone told me at that moment that from starting this, you'll meet your business partner, you'll publish two books, you'll start a podcast, you'll get to talk to this person, interview this person, you'll start a digital There's marketing. No way you'll believe it. Hell no. The little, little <laughs> me would be like, whatever. Like, no way. So, and, and I'm sure that a lot of business owners have the exact same story. Like they've just started something that might have seemed tiny and mm. then just into something they could have probably not even imagined
0: that's so cool it seems like you figured out the winning formula i have no idea but i'm just going to launch it anyway
1: (laughs) yeah it's Probably just really being quite naive. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm gonna I'm gonna write yeah. that down. You must be naive, okay, when you're starting stuff. Actually work,
1: you know. Ignorance is ignorance is bliss. Because if you I think if you almost overanalyze too much, then you'll just freak yourself out because you go, yeah. This could go right, this could go wrong. Yeah, absolutely. Like all those things could go wrong, but then all of these other things could go right and you'll never know you'll never know unless you actually just go and give it a go.
0: Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Um, okay, so speaking of content, so you're putting out great content there. Um so I had a look at your Instagram. You've got a you know great huge number of followings as well. You're putting great content as well. Um like I can see, you know, the pictures and everything. I think you've got got about fifty thousand followers at the moment and uh over the weekend you posted a great photo of I think it was Nutella, um, some sort of food that you Nutella crumpet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks really good, (laughs) you know. So how did you build it? How did you build up your Instagram following? Like do you have a strategy Uh. behind that one or just
1: I think I was actually lucky. Like I was lucky at the time because I've been using Instagram for quite a number of years. So yeah. I really got to take advantage of that organic reach. Um for Instagram it's really about or like just regular content, I would say. Mm. So I was posting at one stage, like and I've tested different things over the years, but I was posting most likely I think once once a day. Um, for once a, a big yeah for a long time just to build up the audience and that you know I think it's it's quite challenging because I do find Instagram now it's a lot harder to grow Mm. so the glory days of Instagram and that organic growth is pretty much gone Mm. uh, unless something happens to go viral but I would say regular content is key also being authentic although I do find that Instagram is very filtered so I think As a celebrity, you can be a lot more authentic because people are following you for your personality Mm. and, you know, your insights. But as, say, like an an everyday consumer, your content actually has to be quite beautiful and Mm. and quite heavily produced. So I've been actually doing a lot more content on LinkedIn. And I literally just get into the office before work, set up my phone. I definitely need a beauty ring light because I'm getting older. I've (laughs) got to hide all those wrinkles. (laughs) And then, and then I just record and then post it. So yeah. I feel like that um, that content on LinkedIn doesn't have to be so produced. But I think the challenge for people is finding not only the time to produce content, but think about what sort of content you need to produce. And I look at someone like Gary Vee and he was saying that no matter what business you're doing, it could be selling toothbrushes selling digital marketing you know being a dentist like you are actually a content producer because that's how people find you Mm. whether it's through blog social you know advertising in brochures like that's actually all content that you're producing Mm. so you have to think of yourself as like a content producer no matter what you're doing because how do you how otherwise do you communicate what you do and Mm. he's like a classic example of someone who like he's a content machine like yeah. producing i think like 100 pieces of content a day and obviously he has a team but he understands the importance of it across multi-channels so it's not even just he's posting on instagram he's on tiktok he's on facebook yeah. he's on linkedin he's on literally every social platform that you can because he's reaching different people and in different styles as well so i think you do have to find a style that would that will work for you and like i'm lucky because i find video pretty easy like i'm an introvert but i just set up my camera and my phone i literally just record on that so it's not like i'm talking to a hundred people but i feel like people can almost psych themselves out of creating content because they and i was talking to someone actually on friday and they're saying i don't feel like i'm at a position Because i was talking about creating content for linkedin Mm. and he was saying i don't feel like i'm you know i'm not the founder of a business i'm not uh you know Yeah, well, also he was saying like he doesn't feel like he's got credibility, and I said, but you still have knowledge that you can share. Mm-hmm. So whether it's like a pick that you, a tip that you picked up from you know hearing an interview with Elon Musk, or um, you know, listening to something that Gary Vee said, just sharing that knowledge, like you'll find people who resonate with you because there'll mm-hmm. be someone who's in the same position at you as you in another business, and they'll go, oh, I'm going up, you know, or maybe even. You know, wanting to get into the role that you're in and yeah. they'll resonate with you because someone that resonates with him might not resonate with me. So they might go to him, look at him and go, oh yeah, I love the way he's communicating mm. and, and telling me his message because it might be the way he talks on video or the way he writes. So I think there's always going to be someone out there who couldn't benefit from the knowledge that you're obtaining. So mm. I always feel like when I first started posting a lot on LinkedIn, I thought, is anyone even going to watch this? I'd be really happy if I got one like that wasn't from a person yeah. related to me or a friend. Yeah, yeah. Because I only started posting on LinkedIn quite consistently about two months ago. And now mm. I post every day, Monday to Friday. And it's been amazing because, as you might know, with LinkedIn, the organic reach is still there. And yeah. I say to my clients,
0: it's pretty you powerful. Know, yeah.
1: Mm. It's amazing. And, and I say to my clients, you've got probably, you know, six to 12 months to take, make the most of the organic reach. So, like, we help our clients create content for LinkedIn, manage their posting, because a lot of them are business owners and they're freaking busy. Like, they don't have time to be getting up every morning thinking about content to post. Uh, so, we help them with that. So, I've met some incredible people on LinkedIn mm-hmm. and it's great for lead generation. Like, I had a call with someone from... Silicon Valley last week, and I Mm. never would have thought, like, how on earth would I've even reached out to someone like that? Wow! Mm. Yeah, which is crazy. Yeah, and yeah. Mm. I know it's actually incredible because he goes, "Oh, it's something that you posted about uh, a quote from Mark Randolph that Netflix." Co-founder um, popped up in my feed, and then he just reached out to me. And then we organised a, a call, and we might be doing some work together. So yeah. I just sort of think if you put yourself out there, and you know, it's hard at the start, but I think just realise that most people are actually like, yeah, there are trolls out there, absolutely, yeah, yeah. but most people don't want you to not succeed, so they're going to be wanting to come from a place of support so they'll give you a like or they'll give you a comment and then you find those people that you know can be part of your LinkedIn community for example and you can regularly engage with them and support them tag them comment on their posts like their posts and I do feel like on the whole people are really good you know like i don't mm-hmm. think that people are intentionally wanting you to fail or will mock you if you happen to stutter in a video so i think people overanalyze and want everything to be perfect but in reality like it doesn't need to be you just have mm-hmm. to keep producing content
0: mm-hmm. and it makes you unique isn't it um i think i was watching a video by uh i think you've probably heard of him, by dan lock um this is a hong kong guy he's uh you know he's got his he's got a really strong accent but he's got a huge following and he says that um his accent is what makes him unique. And, yes. uh, and I think, yeah, like a lot of people might think, oh, you know, he's accent, you should improve it. But you don't, you, you just keep who you are. And then people, you know, th- that's how people identify you is through your accent, even though you might sound funny, but that's who, how, you know, people appreciate about you. So
1: Absolutely. And there, if you're yeah. authentic, just who you are, people resonate with that. And yeah. since I actually started posting videos, like I went to a talk last week and a couple of people actually came up to me and said, oh, I've been watching your videos on LinkedIn. Thanks for sharing them. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, oh my God, it's so weird thing that people are even watching you know and yeah, i don't even yeah. have a big following but to see that now that even just my own personal brand like yeah, i'm yeah. building that in the business space i think wow it's so powerful because i literally just started mm. uh, two, like two months ago so there's you know it's it's not too late to start now because you can quickly grow a following mm. uh if you just keep producing content and have interesting things to say talk to interesting people like i'm yeah. really lucky to get access to some incredible people in some incredible minds, uh, mm. but a lot of them, like I literally have just slid into their DMs. So mm. I've not, you know, I've like, not.
0: Yeah, Instagram DMs and stuff. Hey. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. There you <laughs> Honestly,
1: go. Yeah. like yeah, yeah that's how I get actually, a lot
0: of people as well.
1: <laughs> just like yeah, just send a text. It's, <laughs> it's so surprising, and some people go, "But what if they don't reply? Who cares? Okay. Like,
0: <laughs> do not cost me like anything." <laughs>
1: oh my God, there are so many people where it's like seen seen and there's been no response. I'm like, oh, well, it's not personal. Like they don't even know who I am. So, you know, I've got no shame. I'm just like, hi, just following up on the below if I can see (laughs) the scene. But I think it's just having no shame because to be honest, like I think it is, it's a little bit of a numbers game. So Mm -hmm. you might reach out to 10 people and one person might reply, but that one person could change your life. So Mm -hmm. I do feel like, don't let that ego get in the way and that mm. fear of people not responding to you get in the way because they might, it's not, it's nothing personal. If they don't exactly. respond, they could just go, Oh, it's not an opportunity I'm looking for at the moment, or uh, I'm too busy to respond or whatever yeah. the excuse is. But Definitely. rarely
0: things are doing. So yeah. They're so on,
1: yeah. Yeah. Mm. Exactly. So it's rarely going to be personal because mm. at the end, they, they don't know you. you're just a person that's, that's, you know, emailed them or, or message them on a social media platform so i would 100 percent say just do it mm. and not worry about it yeah so,
0: so speaking of um uh, your podcast in conversation with creators i saw your video with with gary v and uh, it was pretty interesting like you had the whole cakes you had cakes on the table and I was thinking, wow, that's in, it's really impressive. Who who interviews someone with cakes and stuff? So I was like, well, that's cool. But how did you how did you do it? How did you get Gary V? And what was it like interviewing him as well?
1: Uh, so that was another person that I messaged. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, awesome.
1: Yeah, <laughs> believe it or not. And then I started talking to his person uh, who was coming to Australia with him, and then we locked in a time. And I have been listening to his content for a few years, and. To be honest, I didn't actually like his style originally because I found it quite American and aggressive. Mm -hmm. But then I started seeing his written content pop up more on LinkedIn. I'm like, this guy actually has some interesting things to say. So I got the chance to interview him and I had no idea how it was going to go. But I thought he would be doing interviews all the time with lots of different people. And I wanted to do something a little bit different because he seems like someone who... Is fun, interesting, Mm. and likes to have a bit of a laugh. So I thought, why not make an Australian inspired smoothie with lots of different Australian inspired foods in it? And I got like Burger Rings, King Island Dairy Cheese, Tim Tams. I oh, was so
0: what's going on here? There's all this stuff there. Like, you're selling like candy to them. Or something. <laughs> that's cool.
1: Yeah, it was, yeah. it was not, it, it didn't yeah. taste good. Big air, chocolate, big M, twisties, or like, or, you know, whatever was Australian. I could get my hands on Vegemite. It was disgusting. Yeah, but I yeah. thought this would at least add a different layer. And I think that's where my mind, oh, yeah. like, I really think in content. And mm. I think that's so important in this day and age. Like I see every opportunity as a content opportunity. Even if I go out for breakfast, I'm like, will this place be Instagramable? Like, you know, that's the <laughs> level of, Yeah. Uh, like, it's, it's actually so funny. Like people, you know, don't realize I think the level that some people think about content. Like I'll even think about my outfits and say if I go and do a photo shoot for an outfit for Instagram, I'll bring four outfits and I'll be getting changed in my car because I'm like I don't have time to go and shoot a million outfits so I just go and shoot four outfits at a time so you have to just get efficient in the way you think of creating content so I thought I could just sit here and talk to him but I would much rather be doing an activity doing something fun and then we scull it at the end
0: Mm. and
1: it was actually really good like after we did the thing he did like some social around it and I thought give because people want content and I think that's what a lot of people don't realize like they want content to share so I thought why not give him something to actually share that's interesting Mm -hmm. so if you can give people uh, a reason to share your content then they will so Mm -hmm. make it as interesting as you can Uh, but also I think if you think in content it makes it easier to create content so I always say this to my clients I think if you have given some advice to someone and you think it's helped them, most likely it's gonna help a lot of other people. So share that on LinkedIn. Uh, If you have received some advice that's helped you, Share that on LinkedIn. That's probably going to help Mm. someone else. So if you start to change your mindset and and think in content, then you can see so many opportunities in your day-to-day life. And I think a lot of us just think, oh, this is just my day-to-day life. Like, no one's going to be interested in this. Mm. But so many people are because they're probably, a lot of them are sitting in their boring corporate jobs. Like, the fact Mm. that you're sitting here in the morning and this is, like, part of your job, like, you're interviewing someone. (laughs) Like, that's living the dream for a lot of people.
0: Because I can
1: tell you right now, if I was however many years ago I would have been trying to do a bloody tax audit or something boring like that or you know, <laughs> deep that dive do yeah. some documents. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I do really feel like it's changing your mindset. And then you just literally, it's kind of like the matrix where you could just see like content. everywhere.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is some amazing stuff online. Hey, like I saw this. um, Yeah. One girl, all she was doing was just uh, showing how she films her, her, um, you know, her content, how she creates vlogs and stuff, and she was showing the camera, and you know, and it was just a film of like making a cup of coffee, just things like that. You really creative, and yeah, I thought that. Um, yeah, your interview with Gary was incredible. I love, I love the question that you asked him as well. I was like, so, um, yeah, you're pretty good with social media, huh? Or something like that. So, yeah. I, was, I was thinking, well, that's that's a really good question. <laughs>
1: oh, good. I would literally like, I have like, it's really difficult to, I think, ask. Like when you have someone like that who's been asked every question under the sun, like you want to make sure that you take the time to really research. Like I listen, when I do, when I interview people, uh, I pretty much just become like the FBI and do a deep dive into their life. yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah.
1: And I read as many interviews as I can with them. I listen to podcast interviews with them, and I find out what they seem to be passionate about talking about, but try Mm. and ask different questions. I don't want to be asking them the same question, because they would get asked, you know, he would be asked the same thing all the time. And I think there's some element that you need to to cover the the main things that your listeners might want to hear. But at the same time, how are you gonna make yours different, you know, and even, I guess, as someone who gets interviewed, I always try and think, how can I add value to my interviews, like, I never want to just be saying the same things and obviously there are some elements my interviews which will be similar in the sense that like I've got my story of how I got to where I am and that's going to be you know somewhat similar but at the same time I think along the way there are so many lessons I've had I should focus on each of those differently and share them because then someone can listen to my interview on you know one platform and still listen to my interview on another platform and get some new information and get something new from it so mm. I actually heard this podcast that said that every time you do an interview you should make it 20 percent different and then to make it 20 percent different again it just keeps changing so I think if mm. she, she was saying like it's impossible to make it like a 100 percent different like your story is still your story, but if you can constantly be adding value then people will keep wanting to listen to you
0: yeah, yeah it's all about finding um, like little edges to keep improving isn't it just trying to perfect the interview trying to perfect the podcast and, and the content so yeah, it's amazing. yeah yeah okay um how about some of the best skills that you've learnt that's been the most helpful in your life what skills did you uh did you pick up that you would consider really helpful in your life
1: oh that's a really good question uh i would say learning to read people mm. definitely helps so my role for cody agency is i do business development so Pretty much my days are spent in meetings, so I get to meet amazing people, hear about their business, and then work out how we can help them. So I think it's just developing that skill over time, and that's really allowed me to understand and listen and and look for opportunities where where I believe we can help as an agency. Mm. Uh, it's kind of funny, like with skills, I do feel like and I was talking to someone about this last week, yep. I feel like you can pretty much be taught most things so when I think about skills I think actually more about personality traits Mm. so like you know I've got basic skills like I can present I can do a proposal I can write a report I can analyze data I can do all those things but I honestly don't feel like that's what has made me or that's that hasn't helped necessarily get me well that's not the biggest driving force to get me where I am today Mm. what is is more the personality traits that I think I'm lucky enough to have Mm. so I'm hungry to learn all the time like I love learning Mm. and you know if we're looking for someone to join our team like that's one of the key things I would look for like are you hungry to learn Mm. do you want to constantly be challenging yourself and driven to always be the best you can be like I think that is more like a trait that I have that's allowed me to get to where I am. Yeah. I'm not saying I'm successful, but it's allowed me to at least help, or it's allowed me to grow and, and do the things that I've done today. Mm-hmm. Uh, things like not being afraid to fail. Like I think those sort of traits and that those sort of mindsets are going to sen- are going to help you succeed more than any sort of skills because I feel like you can kind of learn any skill, but. Yeah. Like, those sort of things, like, you can't teach. It's, like, you just have to have that mindset or at least if you're not born with that mindset, see if you can change your mindset and actually be someone who is not afraid to fail um, yeah. if you can, you know? Yeah. Um, someone who is hungry, someone who will take and show initiative. Like, I I hate micromanaging. Like, I am not I a micromanager. To, yeah,
0: yeah. you got to it's, empower it's, people, man. Like, you got to, uh, like, get people to... They you know, take ownership, but they take ownership of the task, and got to get out of the way and then they'll just like, you're doing an incredible job.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Micromanaging. Mm. Absolutely. Micromanaging literally helps no one. Yeah, you know, it, it doesn't feels- help. Mm. Yes, exactly. Like it's not good for the person who's micromanaging and the person who's been micromanaged. So as a result, I think initiative is fantastic. If you can show initiative uh, as a business owner or as a employee, like that's going to get you far because then you don't need to be micromanaged like I don't want to sit there I don't have the time to sit there and watch over your shoulder while you do tasks and yeah. I'm lucky because I've got an amazing team who just run with things you know if they don't know how to do something they just work it out uh you know because most of the time if they don't know how to do it I probably won't know how to do it so <laughs> if they come and ask me yeah. I'll just be like I don't know how to do it <laughs> and we can sit there and try and work it out together or if you just work it out that's it's even better so mm-hmm. so I would say you know I think it's more personality traits that have really helped me get to where I am. That mm. that I would say are probably more valuable than any um, sort of soft skill or technical skill that I know. Because yeah. if you're
0: that's a valuable um, skill. Like you're, you're good with people. You can read people body language as well. Like you're pretty good with body language. Yeah.
1: Yeah. As it was funny. I was, I was talking about this exact topic last week, and I said yeah. I watch a lot of crime shows, and I learned I so much. Figure <laughs> <out>. <laughs> that's <laughs> amazing.
0: That's a better one yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yes, I was like, yeah, seriously, like there are things like like if you, right, yeah. if you yawn in front of someone and they don't yawn back, they could be a sociopath or a sociopath because they don't have empathy for body language. Yeah. But it's funny because once you start reading into body language, yeah. so you can really notice so many things. Like, yeah. you know, I notice I pick up all the time that I, I'm mirroring someone's body language or someone's mirroring my body language. And that's like mm. a human reaction to make people feel more comfortable yeah. or show that you're engaged with what they're saying because you can see when someone's not engaged with you because they're leaning back they're yeah, like yeah. looking away like they're Check
0: not the and stuff and
1: yeah yeah so i think just understanding humans and what they want like it's so crucial for the role that i have anyway at the moment like in business development so mm-hmm. i think that's probably like the biggest sort of skill that i've developed over mm-hmm. the years, and. You know, I think it just helps if you're passionate about what you're, if you're, if you're selling, then it just helps if you're passionate about what you're selling. Yeah, And that's definitely. not a really skill. It's just like, if you've got to put yourself in a position where you're selling something that you actually genuinely believe in.
0: Mm-hmm, definitely. Okay. So um, one last question is, let's say that you were to go into a time machine, uh, you press a button and go back 10, maybe 20 years and talk to your younger self. Uh, I'm not sure. I think you're yeah you're pretty young anyway. oh my so god okay, i'm, that's that's I'm that's not gonna real.
1: tell you how that's,
0: old i'm no no i wait, wait, put you there so um okay how about just 10 <laughs> years okay go back 10 years talk to your younger self uh what would you say
1: that's a really good question i would say to her just hang in there <laughs> keep okay. doing what you're doing okay uh and trust the universe just Be as good of a person as you can be and good things will happen. That's beautiful. Yeah, I I actually do believe in the universe. Like I I do believe that if you can just be a good person and you know, just try and just do the best you can, then the universe just rewards you. It just has this funny way of working out. Like it's brought amazing people into my life. And I just think, wow, how did this person how do we even cross paths? And I just feel super freaking lucky to have met some amazing people and I do believe you know the universe just brings in the right people at the right time Mm. that you need them and the right opportunities at the right time so yeah I do just trust the universe it's got your back
0: it's got your back oh I love it that's beautiful okay so (laughs) how do people get in contact with
1: you that's a great question so (laughs) you can reach me on LinkedIn so Mm. you can Uh, shoot me a message or shoot me a message on Instagram uh, or you can email me at lisa at codyagency which is c-o-d-i agency.com.au and I always welcome any sort of feedback, comments, questions, like I really feel lucky to be in an industry where I've met so many amazing people who have given so much time and knowledge to me and I want to give back to anyone who who needs help or who has a question or who just even needs like a motivational talk like I'm always here for those mm. uh, but you know I feel very fortunate that I've been welcomed into an industry that I never really thought I would be a part of so mm. I want to make sure that I can give back as much as I can.
0: Mm. That's awesome. Well, Lisa, I um, really appreciate your time. Um, It's a true honor to interview you. And, um, yeah, you shared some really amazing wisdom from, you know, uh, how you started Cody Agency, the fashion industry, something I have no idea in. Um, Yeah, thank you for sharing about your mindset as well and your your drive and your passion. I can sense it in um, in how you talk as well. And uh, I also wish, you know, wish you all the best for future endeavors. And I know that you're going to be out there and conquering the world in no time. And, um, yeah. Lots, lots more cakes in, in, in your interviews as well. And yeah, all, all the best for future endeavors. So thank you very much. Awesome. Yeah, it's be thank great. you for the
1: opportunity. You are great. Oh,
0: no worries. Yeah, it's always great to talk to another podcaster as well. So don't have to, you know, don't have to guide him or anything like that. You already know what you're doing. So it's good.
1: <laughs> I know. It's so funny because in my head, I'm like, oh, I stuffed up there. Should I... Pause there so they can edit that out easier.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, it's it's perfect. It's great. Yeah, awesome. It
1: actually changes the way you talk and I think get interviewed when you're when you've done it yourself.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how how's it feel to be? Oh, you've already done a lot of interviews anyway. I think I heard like other podcasts with other people and yeah, it's really. Yeah, I actually
1: love it. Like I feel really fortunate to be able to get to talk to someone like yourself, and you were so well researched. Like you had all your research done, so it just makes my job a lot easier um so thank you so much for even spreading the inspiration and knowledge that you've done and i think keep doing it you've done an incredible job and i have no doubt that there'll be so many people out there benefiting from everything that you're doing
0: great thank you very much awesome thanks cool